Welcome to the Evolved Athlete Podcast, where the best in the business bring you the best in fitness, nutrition, wellness, and overall, making you the best athlete of all time. We're host Coach P and his fellow coaches, Kayla, Destiny, Jen, and Ian, take you on a path to greatness. Let's get on with our guest and let's have a great time. Let's roll. Welcome back to the Evolved FBA Podcast. I hope you guys are having an absolute wonderful start to your week. It is the start of a new semester for your own Coach P, and it's it's been a hell of a lot of fun. It's been great getting back being with the students, and it's just it's one of the most revitalizing things that occurs uh, in my career. And as much as I love coaching and being in the trenches, I love teaching. Uh, it's an absolute great, great time, and it's been a Wonderful time working with individuals who ask questions at the beginning of the semester all around weight loss, fitness, and what they can do the absolute best to be successful in their fitness programs, which inspired me to kick it off this week with giving you guys a little bit of information on what are the absolute most frequent weight loss obstacles that we encounter when we're trying to be at our best, when we're trying to be successful, when we're trying to get those bodies we're looking for and make improvements in aesthetics and build a little muscle and do everything that we can possible to be a new version of ourselves. And so I wanted to start off this week by going over some weight loss obstacles. And so the most common things that I encounter as a coach and the questions that I get the most as a professor all comes down to how do I lose weight the most effectively? Well, the first things first is let's start with the absolute basis is you don't have a program. When it comes to wanting to lose weight effectively, you have to have a program in place. You have to have a structured, a structured approach to how it is you're going to systematically break down when you're going to be in a deficit or when you're going to take diet breaks or read beads or simply what is your overall deficit for you specifically? Do you even have any idea of what your total daily energy expenditure is based on your basic metabolic rate? So that's where we have to start first. So the way that I would say you start when it comes to wanting to lose weight, rather than jumping right into a bad diet that you see on social media, whether it's intermittent fasting or the keto diet or whatever you find out there on an Instagram or TikTok post, why don't you first try to figure out your own body first? And the way that you start is by utilizing either the Harris-Benedict or Mifflin-St. George equation. What these equations do is they give you an estimation of what your basal metabolic rate is. This is the total amount of calories that your body burns when you are at rest all day long. Then you have to figure out an estimation of the total calories that you're expending each and every day based off of physical activity and your stomach effect of food. You can usually get the help of utilizing some online calculators that can do this, compute this for you. And they usually multiply this number by your activity factor, whether you are sedentary, you do a little bit of light activity, or you go to the gym three or four times a week, or whether you have a really, really hard demanding job. All those things will have various activity levels, which will give you an estimation of how many calories you're burning naturally each and every day. And once you find that number, you can then start to figure out, okay, this is the amount of calories that I burn each and every day on average. So for example, the average individual is, let's say, let's, let's choose a guy, right? The average adult male is around 5'9 to 5'11, okay? And usually weighs around 185 to 200 some pounds. And so for that individual, the usual estimated basal metabolic rate, just from my own experience, is anywhere from approximately 1,600 to on the higher end of 1,900 calories, just from a basal metabolic rate. And then let's say we have an individual who works out about three times a week and gets the average amount of steps in, anywhere from 7,000 to 9,000 steps per day. 
that individual is probably having a total daily energy expenditure of about 25 to on the higher end of 2,800 calories per day on average. And so if I want to have a structured goal plan about weight loss, I need to make sure that I calculate at least a 10 to 15% deficit from that. So usually subtracting about 500 calories or so from that, putting me down to at least anywhere from 21 to 2400 calories is what would be a great place to start if I wanted to lose weight effectively as long as I had an effective plan in place for both strength training, cardiovascular training, and proper nutrition. That would be a great place to start. But remember, this is just an estimation. And so sometimes it does a great deal to actually potentially start at maintenance for a little while and see how your body weight reacts. Instead of jumping right into a weight loss program, sometimes you have to find if potentially you might be under eating. When it comes to overeating processed foods, sometimes it becomes very, very difficult to figure out, okay, are these, is it the foods that's causing me to, to lose weight or am I under eating whole food nutrition? It could potentially be nutrient deficient these things I have to take into account. And so what can end up happening sometimes is if you do eat at maintenance for a great deal of time and you actually eat the amount of food that you need to in com combination with doing the right types of exercise and workout routines, you might find that your total daily energy expenditure might actually go up and you might actually get a little body recompositioning out of eating a little bit more food than you might be used to. And so some of the times people are just not simply tracking and don't have an idea of how many calories they need or how much, how many calories they actually need to eat for themselves. And so it becomes very, very beneficial for you to make sure that you have a program in place. Make sure that you figure out how many calories you absolutely need. And then once you are done finding out exactly where your maintenance is, if you've been eating the same amount of calories at baseline for about a couple of weeks or so, and you find your body weight stays just around the same, then you're probably at maintenance. That's probably the right amount of calories for you so that you can then decide whether or not you want to either go to a building or if you want to do the today, which is going into weight loss. And so I find when people do not have this structure plan and do not come at it from this approach, you just jump right in to try to diet down, do themselves a great disservice because they don't know if they are putting themselves into such severe restriction and on potentially might get a little bit of weight loss at the beginning, but you might plateau really hard, really fast making it that much more difficult to figure out how to continue to lose weight. And then when you don't think about the diet after the diet, which we'll talk about as well, it can be a really big problem. And so that's a great place to start. Utilize the Mifflin-St. Joy equation, figure out what the baseline level of calories is for you and your body personally, try to stay at maintenance a little bit, and then build your plan from there. Go into a small deficit for, for, for at least 500 calories or so, which is about 10 to 20% of your total calories. Be consistent with that for a good amount of time and see what kind of progress you make. The average weight loss program can take anywhere from 12 to 16, sometimes even as high as 18 to 20 weeks, depending upon what your goals are. And so it becomes very, very important to have what is called a nutrition periodization to where you know exactly how long you're gonna spend in a deficit before you utilize maintenance periods. Because what we see in metabolism is there's usually a great deal of stress that's placed upon the body when you're trying to go into a deficit, when you're trying to lose weight. And you don't want to lose weight for too long because that can have a significant impact on your metabolism. It causes something called metabolic adaptation, which is the reduction of your metabolic rate over time as you engage in weight loss. And we need to be very, very cognizant of this because if we're not being aware of when this happens, then we will not be aware of when we need to slowly titrate calories back into the system and do either a recovery or a reverse diet 
to get your body ready to acclimate back to eating a normal level of calories again to prevent things like fat rebound and potentially gaining back on once of weight that you don't want to have happen at the end of a dietary phase. And so what ends up happening is, is you also want to use this time period to figure out, okay, if I'm going to diet for 12 weeks, I might want to take a diet break somewhere in there. Because what we see in the scientific literature is when you have planned diet breaks to go back up to maintenance every so often throughout a diet phase, this can actually lessen the overall physiological stress that you place upon the body when you are in a deficit and can make it easier for the body to remain sensitive to that deficit and potentially can lose more body fat throughout the entire course of the diet than if you did not do this practice. And so it can be very, very beneficial to actually plan this out for yourself and create a structured plan that shows, okay, if I'm going to go on a 12-week dietary period, then maybe every two to four weeks or so, I might take a week where I go right back up to maintenance calories and I consume maintenance calories for about a week. And then that'll take the edge off of the physiological stress that a deficit puts on the body. And then when I go back into a deficit, not only will I continue to lose weight, but I'll be able to do it much more effectively and for a much longer period of time. And we can see that it's much easier on your metabolism to structure diet breaks in this way so that you can figure out what's going to work best for your body and your progress. Now, there is a lot of different ways that you can go about this. Everybody is different. Not everyone will respond well to a diet break. There are a lot of individual differences, but that's why it is also important to have a program in place so that you'll be able to track and figure out when things go different directions or where you might have to introduce new strategies to ensure that you can continue to weight, uh, lose weight effectively and reach your goals. So have a plan. Big number one. So when you don't have a plan, it tends to be a really, really big obstacle as to why people aren't losing weight. The second big thing when it comes to weight loss obstacles is the lack of tracking throughout the entirety of a week. And so one of the biggest obstacles that I've run into with many individuals whom I coach is the you know lack of consistent tracking or the lack of tracking altogether. Now, yes, Tracking micronutrients can be an absolute pain. I absolutely get it. Okay. You have to literally weigh everything out. You have to be structured. You got to get this amount of protein, this amount of carbs, and this amount of fat day in, day out, even on a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, where you want to go party and have fun with your friends, even during the summertime, where you want to go to the pool and you want to go on vacation and you want to have that espresso martini and everything else, right? Absolutely understand. But at the beginning of a weight loss phase, you have to take responsibility and understand that you need to be disciplined in order to have progress because it is so easy to get off track or to underestimate foods that you're eating and you could be undoing your deficit very, very easily. One of the most common mistakes I see people make is when they do track very, very well Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and sometimes Friday. But then when we get to the weekends of Saturday and Sunday and we say, okay, I've done so well this week, I can afford to you know, have a cheat meal or I can go to the restaurant and guesstimate how to put different foods into my overall tracking system. And I can pretty much be okay. But the problem with that first, part one, is if you don't track on the weekends, thinking that you can eyeball things without actually knowing the caloric intake of certain things when it comes to going to restaurants or you know getting little desserts or even consuming alcohol, is you can undo your deficit very, very, very quickly. And this happens all the time. It can be a big difference maker in you making continuous progress throughout your dietary phase and having stalling constantly and trying to figure out why am I not losing weight? Well, because you're not taking responsibility for your actions on the weekends. And, you know, I have to be really, really blunt about that. If you want to be 
really, really successful throughout your diet, you have to be surgical about this. You have to practice this day in and day out for the allotted amount of time that you programmed out for you to be in a deficit if you want to lose weight the most effectively. The second part of this equation is the unfortunate aspect of going out to eat and going to restaurants and utilizing processed foods. The calories that are put on the menus or the nutrition facts that are put on certain foods and certain entrees are far few in between being accurate, all right? You have to be very, very, very careful because even if it's a chain restaurant, it can differ from place to place as far as the exact ingredients and the exact volume and measurements of what they're using to calculate things, and it could be different from place to place. And it's really, really easy to, although you might be tracking a certain meal and you get to a place like uh, Malone's or Jersey Mike or whatever it might be, and you type that into my fitness pal, whatever food tracker you're using, and it has the nutrition facts there, it might not be 100% accurate. It could have a plus or minus 25 to 35% error rate, which is a big deal when it comes to the amount of calories and the amount of macronutrients that you're trying to track. And it could easily undo your progress and put you over your macro targets for that weekend. And it could be very, very, very difficult to stay on track that way. This makes going out to eat very, very hard when you're trying to lose weight. And it might be necessary to understand that you have to make that sacrifice when it comes to your goals of weight loss and why it's so important to make the temporary sacrifice to be married to meal prepping and cooking your own foods and learning portion control and portion sizes and macro targets of each and every goal becomes super, super important. I know it's difficult, especially during the summer season where we have so many vacations and so many things we want to do and we want to be social. But here's the thing. Even during other times of the year, that is never going to end. And so, you know, I, you know, I get kind of crazy when I hear this constantly. Oh, but it's summertime. I want to have fun. But it's like, yeah, I get it. It's summertime. But that's no different than any other part of the year. Even in September or even in, even in October, there's going to be holidays. There's going to be your friend's birthday. There's going to be mom's birthday. There's going to be a graduation celebration. There's going to be a work proposal. Uh, a work celebration of some sort or promotion, I meant to say. Uh, and then there's going to be tons of holidays in November and, and December. And then it turns right around in January. You got New Year's. And then you've got a Valentine's Day. And then you've got an anniversary. It, it, it never ends. So you have to see this as if you want to lose weight, you have to make a lifestyle change. You have to own the fact that if you are going to lose weight and commit to it for 16 weeks at a time, then you have to understand that you have to make those sacrifices for that period of time, if you want to get the most out of the program, especially if you're investing in a coach and spending money on protocols and workouts and, and weekly check-ins, you, you have to be married to what is required to be successful. I know it's hard and I know it's difficult, but it's worth the time and investment to understand that discipline is absolutely required and going off track for two days every single week is enough to stall your weight loss progress, no matter how good you are during the week, Monday through Friday. And so that is the big thing that we need a lot of people to wrap their heads around when it comes to what will ensure the absolute most success. Why are bodybuilding competitors so successful when it comes to their prep phases and their weight loss phases? Because they are hyper vigilant. They are hyper disciplined. They track everything. They take their meals with them everywhere. Even when they go to restaurants, they're tracking and bringing Tupperware containers. They are married to the cause and what they are trying to achieve. We have to do the exact same thing when we're 
you know, the average adults who are looking to lose weight to be healthier. We have to make those sacrifices, but it's not forever. We just have to get to the point to where we want to be, achieve our goals, build better habits that we could sustain for a lifetime, do a reverse diet and a recovery diet to recover our metabolism. And then we have a much better chance of being able to maintain a higher level of calories while also being physically active and being able to enjoy the things that we love. But we have to put in the end time and investment to get there first. And that's all part of the journey when it comes to weight loss. So lack of tracking and not being disciplined with our tracking is another major weight loss obstacle that I see very, very often when it comes to coaching and working with others. Let's talk about the next one. And the next one is not doing the right type of physical activity or doing too much of the wrong type of physical activity. And so when you look at scientific research, we know that physical activity is alone one of the worst ways to lose weight. It's just hands down ineffective. And although we do need, and we do need to send the signal the right way, utilize the physical activity to get most of our results, a lot of our results are going to come from our absolute nutrition. But let's talk about how we can use fitness effectively and ineffectively. The worst way that we can use fitness for losing weight is by doing hours and hours and hours and hours of cardiovascular training. And now, let me say this. Cardiovascular training is absolutely essential for health. We know that due to the recommendations from cardiovascular associations like the American Heart Association, the CDC, and NASM, and any other accreditation, that we do need at least 200 minutes per week, excuse me, of zone to cardiovascular training and at least 30 to 60 minutes per week of higher intensity training to improve our overall VO2 max. And we know that our VO2 max, the amount of oxygen that we can consume at maximal exercise intensity is the absolute gold standard for how fit we are. And when we actually engage in those activities and make our VO2 max as high as we possibly can be, the better our VO2 max, the more resilient we are towards all causes of death. It really is the most important thing. But we also know that leg strength is also a very, very key indicating factor of longevity and health as well. So we need a balance of both strength training and cardiovascular training for maximal health. Now, when it comes to weight loss, there is a time and place to utilize the right amount of cardiovascular training and strength training. You don't need to do hours upon hours upon hours on end of cardiovascular training to lose weight. This is actually very, very ineffective because the most, the more cardiovascular training that you do, the more efficient you become in it and it no longer expends as many calories as before when you first started using it. And so oftentimes you'll see a lot of coaches will hold back on utilizing too much cardio or almost no cardio at all at the beginning of a program when someone's trying to lose weight and they rather stick to utilizing things like steps in order to increase their energy expenditure due to the fact that they want to save utilizing cardiovascular training until they absolutely have to when someone plateaus with weight loss and then utilizes the cardiovascular training in the last four to six weeks of a weight loss phase to help them achieve the last amount of weight loss. Now, you can come at this from multiple directions because cardiovascular training is very, very important for things like cardiovascular health, delivery of oxygen and nutrients through the blood to various tissues in the body. Very, very important for stress resilience and aerobic capacity and recovery capacity overall. And so doing cardiovascular training at a minimum should be included and is very, very important for overall health and longevity. But it doesn't need to be done to the effect of doing hours and hours and hours and hours cardio and ed every single day, especially not at the start. 
And so I usually, so usually one of the biggest weight loss obstacles I see is people do nothing but cardiovascular activity with very little emphasis on strength training, which is a big, big problem because we need strength training to send the signal to the body to maintain as much muscle mass as possible while we are dieting down. When you look at the scientific literature and we see when you prioritize strength training as the primary source of setting a signal when doing exercise, that when you are in a deficit, then 80% or more of your weight loss will primarily come from fat and not from muscle mass. Whereas programs that do not put a large emphasis on strength training will see the majority of their weight loss actually come a lot more from muscle. And you see either a 50-50% of where the weight comes from when it comes to adipose tissue and muscle. We don't want that. We want to maximize as much muscle as we want to hang on as best as we possibly can. And when we're in a deficit, that is maximizing the signal that we're sending with strength training. Strength training is going to be the absolute most important thing when it comes to maintaining muscle mass, maintaining a higher metabolic rate, and getting the best success in an aesthetic pleasing way when it comes to losing weight. You've all heard of the skinny fat thing when it comes to losing weight, and that is not what you want when it comes to weight loss. We want to stay as healthy as we possibly can be and as aesthetically pleasing as you possibly want, right? That's the overall goal of losing weight. Doing strength training is going to be the most important thing. And so my usual approach to this is making sure that we're maximizing strength training at least three times a week, hitting each body part at least twice per week, and making sure that not only are we keeping consistent, but that we are applying progressive overload and that we are adding weight onto the exercises, that we are making things harder over time. And so another aspect of this that is a weight loss obstacle when I'm in a fat loss phase is when I am not tracking anything when it comes to my strength training. You don't want to go into the gym continually winging it on a daily basis. You want to make sure that you are tracking and knowing when you need to take up the intensity. Also, you need to make sure that you don't overtrain because when you are losing weight, that puts the body in a stress out state. It is very, very stressing on the human body. And as we talked about earlier, this is why we sometimes use things like diet breaks to ease the physiological strain that's placed upon the body when you're losing weight. Throw on top of that, doing really, really hard straights on and overtraining, if you do too much, and you could be pushing yourself even faster into a stressful state. And when you are in a really, really stressful state, not only can you potentially encounter weight loss resistance, but you also are going to make it very, very difficult from your ability to recover and adapt. And it might make it that much more difficult not only to have a high quality of life, but to be successful when it comes to your weight loss. And so remember, fitness and being in a diet is not the only thing that places stress upon the body. We have everything that's out in life stress as well that will negatively impact your body and could also indirectly cause you issues when it comes to weight loss resistance. And so it becomes very, very important to understand that there is a necessity to have proper programming of strength training and proper programming of cardiovascular training while also monitoring the amount of volume and work that you're doing over time that you use strength training appropriately without overtraining and so that you can keep your body at a high level of recovery at all times so you can do your best to continue making progress without pushing yourself out of alignment with your goals and potentially causing more harm than good and causing resistance to you making any type of progress. So utilize exercise correctly. Make sure that you have a structured program. A coach can help you with this. Maximize the frequency of which you're hitting muscle groups, but don't overdo it. And don't overdo cardiovascular training. Use cardiovascular training as a way to improve your health. And then as you get more towards the later aspects of a weight loss program, then under the consult of a strength coach or someone who knows what they're doing, 
you can start adding in a little bit more cardio just to help you lose the last more hard, difficult pounds to lose at the end of a cardiovascular training program. Now, let's talk about a, another additional factor that might be uh, an obstacle when it comes to weight loss. And that comes down to your overall habits and sleep-related hygiene. And so when it comes to sleep, we know that when you are sleep-deprived, that the majority of your weight loss, once again, will come from muscle mass and not from fat mass. There are various mechanisms that occur when it comes to things like glucose regulation and particular expressions of how of physical activity that occur that when you are trying to lose weight, but you are sleep deprived, it actually has a negative impact on your ability, not only to build muscle, but to maintain it as well. And so it becomes very, very important to making sure that we have a good, efficient amount of sleep every night, especially if we want to recover from physical activity, if we want to make sure that we're losing weight, because there are so many factors that go into our ability to not only stay consistent, but also to be able to have proper executive functioning and be able to continue to make the hard choices that we know we need to make when we're staying disciplined. Because we know when we are sleep deprived, that has a negative impact on cognitive function and can make it that much more difficult for us to activate and utilize various aspects of our executive functioning processes, such as having the motivation to choose the right things, being disciplined, um, being task oriented, and being able to continue to be logical in what we need to choose. We find that when individuals are sleep deprived, that you are more likely to choose palatable sources. You are more likely to abstain from physical activity. You are more likely to be fatigued and have daytime sleepiness and, and thus have a negative impact on your mentality and mood and be less likely to engage in the activities that are, that are aligned with being physically active and being And so it becomes very, very difficult for you to maintain mental strength in trying to lose weight if you are not getting the right amount of sleep per night. We also know that if you are sleep deprived, that it has a negative impact on various hormones, such as lethin and ghrelin. Lethin and ghrelin are very, very important for hunger and satiation. And what we see with individuals who are sleep deprived is that ghrelin arises and leptin goes down. Lethin is released by your fat cells when you feel satiated, whereas ghrelin is released when you feel hungry. Well, we see that these two hormones are very often dysregulated and can actually be abnormal with someone who is sleep deprived and will thus be more likely to overconsume nutrients when they are sleep deprived. It potentially could lead to being uh, overeating certain macronutrients and going over your macro goals, and thus also making it very, very difficult for you to lose weight and be, not be able to achieve the deficit that you need for weight loss. So that becomes a very, very big issue in itself as well. So you got to get good high quality sleep. You have to make sure that you're being consistent with sleep. There is such a thing as sleep debt, but there is no such thing as sleeping in to be able to achieve better health as well. And so it becomes very, very important that you become consistent with a regular sleep routine, that you try to go to bed at the same time every night and you try to wake up at the same time every day, no matter if it's a Saturday or a Sunday. You have to make sure you're as consistent as humanly possible. You also have to make sure that you have good sleep hygiene, that you get ample sunlight during the day and that you limit the brightness of light-related things at nighttime. You also want to make sure you have some sort of downwinding routine. We find that oftentimes that being stressed out or going from activity to activity to activity to activity and having a low HRV that we see in people who are more often stressed can be very, very impactful on someone's ability to get the right amount of sleep and help regulate their emotions. This is a big contributing factor to things like generalized anxiety overthinking, and a lot of other mental-related issues that we see a lot more nowadays when it comes to individuals who are struggling to get through their day. And so this leads me into stress being also a major 
impactful, impacting factor that could potentially cause weight loss resistance. Because when you are stressed out, your heart rate will be more naturally higher. You'll be more, you'll have a lower HIV, and there'll be much more stress placed upon the cardiovascular system and your health in general. And when you are in a more stressed out state, even if you don't think you are, and I encounter this a lot, many people are really, really good at coping with stress. The human body is incredible when it comes to being able to cope with the stress and being able to adapt to the stress. And although you can adapt to the point, it does not mean that it will not and negative impact on various aspects of your health. There is a great connection between stress and glycemic variability, and it's becoming a key indicating factor in the someone that might have metabolic issues, even if they don't show in their HbA1c and glucose and fasting glucose levels in the blood. Because if you are have high glycemic variability that goes up and down and up and down and up and down, and we see that this is highly associated with high cortisol levels, which come from being stressed out, that that is a becoming a bigger risk factor for metabolic health-related issues and develop, developing things like diabetes and insulin resistance that could lead to weight loss resistance. And so knowing how to be able to control your stress and manage your stress becomes super, super important. And even though you don't feel it, your body can still be under stress and that can make it that much more difficult to lose weight if you don't get that under control. And so it becomes very, very important to lower stress in the body, either by utilizing various stress management habits. That's why I teach everyone breath work. Oh, I work with when it comes to working with my clients, individuals, and students, I'm even teaching this now, so that your body can physiologically understand what it means to be able to go into a sympathetic state, but also be able to be strong enough to send the signal to come down into a parasympathetic state. On top of this, we also have to learn how to regulate our breath. And that's one of the biggest things with breath work because so many people with anxiety and stress are actually individuals who overly ventilate. They're breathing too hard and breathing too much. And as a result, that's pulling in more CO2 into the blood. And as a result, their heart rate has to be higher so that their body can help get in more oxygen and get rid of that CO2. And that will having that high CO2 will also put you more into a lower HRV and make it that much more stressed out in the human body. Take it a step further, and having that higher level of CO2 will also negatively impact your ability to fall asleep because your body is keeping its resting heart rate higher to help get rid of the CO2 so that you can fall asleep and get more sound. But people that have low CO2 tolerance and who overly ventilate not only have higher levels of anxiety, lower HRV, but they will also have a hard time getting to sleep and falling asleep and will create this vicious circle that will constantly put stress on the body raise cortisol and cause more metabolic issues underneath the hood that will cause insulin resistance and also result in weight loss resistance as well. So you got to get a hold of your stress. You have to practice things that keep you level. You have to practice things like breath work. You have to eat the right types of foods that don't have inflammatory responses that can add stress to the human body. And you have to get your breath under control. So doing breath work practices, not only to get you more to a parasympathetic state, but also to control your rate of breathing can be very, very important. And so Brian McKenzie, he's the he's the already he's the co-owner and co-creator of the website Shift, which teaches all about gear one and gear two breathing strategies that teach an individual how to regulate their breath, not only during exercise, but during the natural course of life as well, and which can have a large amount of carryover to getting you to breathe at a normal ventilatory rate that can be very, very beneficial for getting not only your heart rate under control, but getting your HRV under control, getting your body into a higher HRV, 
thus lowering the stress on the human body and getting you back to a normal state and making it that much more possible that you'll be able to increase your quality of life and potentially also improve your rate of weight loss as well. And so one of the last things that I'll talk about as well when it comes to weight loss obstacles is your choice in nutrients and foods. Now, although calories in versus calories out, laws of physics, as long as you're in a deficit, you can eat almost what you want and be able to achieve weight loss. But what we are finding is very, very impactful for most people is choosing the right types of foods. If you are constantly choosing processed foods that are highly palatable, really, really delicious, that are spiking your blood sugar super, super high, and causing you to create even more and more of these highly delicious foods, that can be setting yourself up for failure. And so one of the biggest things that I recommend to people is utilizing the satiety index. Choose foods that are very, very satiating. So maximizing your protein intake, maximizing your fiber intake, and maximizing whole food nutrition is going to be one of the best things you can do to help you stay satiated and be able to keep not only your energy level stable, but to help you with your success. One of the best, best strategies that I've used, not only for myself, that I was actually taught by a good friend of mine from Arizona State years ago, and she's a clinical uh, dietitian herself. She's used to coach for Renaissance Periodization. She's an absolute rock star in the industry. Her name's Dr. Dr. Christy Lesprin. She was fantastic at teaching me, you know, one of the best things you can do, and, and, and her, her colleague and partner as well, Dr. Robert Santana, who's also um, an old friend of mine, you know, recommended to me, add in a ton of veggies with <laughs> with your meals. And, you know, when you combine a lot of protein and high fiber carbohydrate sources and a lot of veggies, you really don't want to eat anything after that. <laughs> you actually become very, really full. Um, and so one of the best strategies that I utilize in my coaching now is to get people to eat the amount of protein they need to hit their threshold. And so for most people, that's about 40 to 50 grams of protein per meal. And then have the equal amount of a high starchy fiber carbohydrate, such as quinoa or brown rice, um, or something of that sort, and then add in one to two cups of vegetables. When you do stuff like that, it keeps you really, really full, very, very satiating. You are less likely to have hunger cravings throughout the day. And that can be very, very beneficial in helping you stay on track with your macros when your goal is to be in a deficit and to lose weight. And there are the one of the biggest thing kickbacks, uh, kickbacks I get from that is it doesn't taste good. It doesn't taste good because of the way that you're cooking things. When you get better at cooking things better and utilizing your ingredients and utilizing certain seasonings and flavorings, you can actually make healthy food taste amazing. You just have to be creative and you can't be lazy and you have to put in the work to make things work for you. And you can make the healthiest, lowest calorie things taste so delicious, if not better than the processed foods themselves. So. To summarize everything up, there are many things that can get in your way when it comes to weight loss and what could potentially be causing your issues with your dietary strategies. But at the end of the day, being consistent and being disciplined with your habits and understanding that you are sacrificing some things now to have a greater life later to where when you have good habits of regular physical activity, prioritizing whole food nutrients, and being able to practice stress management and proper sleeping habits, that when you do achieve your goals, you will be able to enjoy more of the things that you love in moderation and have a balanced lifestyle. But you have to earn it. You have to put in the work. You have to make temporary sacrifices. You have to do what is necessary. And most of the time, what you are not willing to do at first to be able to be successful in achieving your goal weight loss. 
You might have to go extra sometimes and figure out what's going on underneath the hood. You might have to get GI tests. You might have to do a urinary analysis, a cortisol test. You might have to do certain blood work things just to figure out what might be going on and what works best for you. But at the end of the day, 95% of your results are going to come from your life, lifestyle habits, reducing your stress, eating the right types of foods, sleeping better, and being physically active. For all things of all, please continue to always follow us on our Instagram pages. If you are interested in coaching, please look at the app, look at the link down below, send us an application in. Remember to post us on your story so that we can see it and tag us and tag your name and you might just qualify for a free month of coaching. Don't pass this up. We are the coaches coaches and we are looking to help everyone out that become the absolute best versions of themselves. I hope that you guys had fun this time around. I can't wait to see you in the next one. Keep being the evolved athlete, and we'll see you in the next one. Coach Fee's out. If you like today's episode, please be sure to drop a like, share it with all your friends, and give us a great review on Apple Podcasts. If you want to work with the best in the business, please be sure to head over to all of our social media web pages at Evolve Health and Performance. Us at Evolve are trying to make you the best athlete of all time and realize your full potential. Stay tuned for all future episodes where we bring you the best guests and features for everything health, fitness, and wellness. For everything Evolve, stay tuned. Coach P's out.